Support for Eagles Enemies is brought to you by our friends at Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience, just like we're providing you this podcast for the best analysis for each Eagles game every week. And that's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. And 18 months, guys, is about how long it took Howie Roseman to kind of assemble this team to what we have now. And you know what we're dealing with. Uh, they're... Th- Manscaped's third-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to advanced skin-safe technology pioneered by Manscaped. And, I mean, if Manscaped could offer some of that advanced skin-safe technology to patch up the Eagles' offensive line, that would be fantastic. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes, so one-and-a-half football games, so you can take a longer shave. The waterproof technology allows you to groom in the shower, and one of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor, which is the equivalent to how fast Jalen Rager runs on the field every single week, with quiet stroke technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud, Because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by the simple power source of USB. If you are listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Trim that junk of yours, get 20% off, and free shipping with the code USP at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. That's right, I said get 20% off and free shipping with the code USP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code USP. Let's get into another edition of Eagles Enemies presented by Underground Sports Philadelphia. Reach out, it could be better than a fantasy. I got my levels out of place last night was a long one Looking for a quick fix, looking for a shortcut But if I want a game plan uh, for the long run What do I bring to the table, said dumb luck There's a good chance the last thing I pick up Will show up in my sleep and crash all my dreams With some shit I won't repeat Cause it's not what I'm proud of Some heaviness, some pettiness, some things I'm ashamed of Alright Eagles fans, after another gut-wrenching loss That could have been a win probably should have been a win against the Baltimore Ravens. The Eagles sit at 1-4-1 and going into a short week against the New York football Giants. And it's another week of Eagles enemies presented by Underground Sports Philadelphia. And what better way to break down a good old-fashioned Eagles-Giants Thursday night football matchup because it seems like that game happens every single year. I'm joined by my good friend from the Talking Giants podcast, of John Boy Media, my man Bobby Skinner. 
What's going on, Kyle? Glad to be back on. Um, another night game between the two of us. Last year was Monday night, Eli's return, which is like joyful. Two touchdowns were beating the Eagles. Eli's back, and then a heartbreaking loss, and then another week 17 loss. So now we're both now we're both two bad teams that are fighting for first place in the division. So it's a it's I, I would like I would I wouldn't have it any other way. Exactly. You know, you got to have a little help from your friends. And Thursday night football, the Eagles announced they're wearing the black on black uniforms. That seems to be the go to against the Giants in the yep. night games. This Giants team first win of the season last week against the Washington football team. Give me your your thoughts, your take so far through six weeks of the season of the Joe Judge, Jason Garrett, you know, this new coaching staff, how things are looking. Obviously, it's not great on on paper with the record and everything, but so far, your thoughts on the Joe Judge era of the New York Giants? Yeah, it's it's been a while because the last two coaches have been offensive coordinators in the head coach role, basically. So it's been a while since since Tom was here. Where the when you talk about Judge, it's like, hey, did he go for it on fourth or call? Like you're not like criticizing play calling, you know. So it's a it's a it's it's a two sided it's two sides because on defense, the defensive coordinator Patrick Graham. Love him. I think he's a genius, and you know we'll get into the ins and outs. But basically, he he preached multiple, like we're a multiple defense. And you know, if you're a football fan a long time, you've heard coaches come in and say a lot of stuff, and you just kind of have like, I'll believe it when I see it. He sticks true to it. I mean, you never know. Like this defense changes things up every single week. When you think you can expect one thing, you get something else. On offense, it's the exact opposite. Jason Garrett, um, a former a enemy of both of both of us. I don't know why I ever convinced myself that he would be a decent offensive coordinator, man. Kyle, it's brutal. It's brutal. This we have the most vanilla offense, but it's not even just vanilla. It's it's a coaching scared offense. Everything is short, and that doesn't mean like when I say that, it doesn't mean like hey, we just a lot of people like just go go deep, go deep. And it's like well, football is not as simple as that. But there's no concepts to open stuff up underneath. So everything is short and short breaking and defenses are jumping on it and making, you know, and uh, getting turnovers. Um, and even when it's like we put together a long, like we, our goal, someone explained it like this to me, the Jason Garrett offense, the goal is to get 10 yards every three plays. And it's brutal. We can't score in the red zone. So the offense is horrible. And I mean, thank God for the jets because we'd be the worst. We'd probably statistically be the worst offense in the NFL. I think we're second to last. So, Thank you to the Jets for letting us not be last. But it's it's brutal, man. And it's like you can't even really get a good read on who Jones is in this offense. Now, with Jason Garrett coming over from the Cowboys, obviously they ran Zeke a ton with the Cowboys. And Saquon Barkley being with the Giants, obviously out for the season now. Do you think Garrett's mindset coming into the year was, I'm going to base this offense around Saquon. And now that Saquon's gone, Devontae Freeman's in there, not really – the Saquon prototype, but now that kind of that big piece of the offense is gone, a big part of his playbook is gone. No, because we're continuing to, you know, you have to have at least a somewhat of a balanced on offense, especially when, you know, when you're the chiefs, you can go all out air raid, you know, um, with, with a team like the Giants, you have to have some balance, but like, for example, Washington, we had the lead um, 10 points at the most at any part of the game. We ran the ball. Uh, eight times more than we threw the ball. We only threw the ball 19 times. We, we, the game was called like they had a 21-point lead and they only had a 10-point lead. Um, so we're still running the ball. Not really – Jones. Daniel Jones is our leading rusher, and that was a – you know, that was a fun little, like, 
joke after like week one and week two. It's like, oh, Daniel Jones, our leading rusher. Now it looks like it might be end up being a reality for the year. So yeah, man, it's been like I said, it's it's designed to get ten yards every three plays. So it's it's a, a run, it's a run, run, quick pass, run, quick pass, run, quick pass, run, run. Like it's 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 crazy how like mind numbing this offense is. Now. Daniel Jones, you're a big Danny Dimes guy. You have been almost since day one, uh, since I met you. Every single game he's played in in his career has had at least one turnover. How big of a factor is that? Obviously, it's a big one, but, you know, knowing that it's been almost every single game he's played in, you can almost chalk up that he's going to turn the ball over at least once. How much does that kill this offense's momentum, knowing that, you know, Daniel Jones has an arm to get the ball down the field, you guys have some solid wide receivers uh, to get the ball out to Evan Ingram underneath, but knowing that at any moment, Daniel Jones could have that costly turnover. How much does that, you know, just hurt you as a giants fan, knowing that you guys can just stall at any given moment. Well, because it's a rebuilding, you know, we are like kind of like, like there's not high expectations. My mindset with a young QB is always like, I can live with turnovers. I can live with turnovers as long as you are a QB that takes chances. The last thing I want is a young QB to be have a, a 68% completion percentage, but on third down, they're checking it down, and they refuse to take chances. They've totally – Garrett and, I, you know, judges involved in this too, I think they looked at the turnovers and said their biggest goal was to stop the turnovers, but in reality, they've made it work because it's a quick-hitting offense. So teams were the most blitzed team in the NFL, so teams are blitzing playing man coverage and knowing like this stuff is going to be quick and short. So jump on top of routes, jump on top of routes. Um, so like I said, I'm fine with the interceptions, but what, uh, and the fumbles, like, you know, those have actually been cut in half, you know, as much as like last year was a, like almost a record number, but I think through six games, he has three. So the fumbles haven't been as bad, but when you have his rookie season fumbles, everyone's going to be louder than the, you know, than the, than the, than the past one. But anyways, the interceptions have been the like there was one against the Rams where it was like, come on, what are you doing, brutal? But like I said, I'm always, I'm fine with interceptions if you're taking chances, but this offense isn't taking any chances. So it's like someone, one of our listeners described it perfectly. It's the low, it's the um the high, high risk, low reward offense is what we're running right now. <laughs> now, interception against the Rams, is that what started the uh Jalen Ramsey Golden Tape fight or no, that I, don't, I know you guys spent uh, you know oh, yeah. a few weeks with Tate. Jalen Ramsey's uh, knock was is is Golden Tate's sister's baby, baby daddy. daddy, and they were trash talking during the game. And then there's no video of it besides like once they've already been pulled apart. But essentially, they like after the game, someone described it as like it was literally like people use this term too much on site. Like it was literally just. Nice. They just beeline towards each other and just started <laughs> fighting. <laughs> you know, supposedly uh, Ramsey threw the first punch. Um, and, you know, he's the one who got uh, like a fine. Tate didn't get anything. So I'm assuming that's true. But, yeah, that that is what started that. Incredible. Uh, how do you guys and feel Tate about sucked for us this year? You know, we're last that, year. That was my next question. You know, how has the Golden Tate experience been since he's gotten to the to the Giants? Last year, it was fun. People would be like, he, he was he's not what he once was, you know, and he wasn't even that last year. But last year, he made big plays. I mean, you guys remember in week 17, he had that touchdown in the corner of the end zone. Like, Jones trusted him throwing the ball downfield. And Tate has usually been like a quick hit 
yak guy. He's been non-existent this year. Um, and part of it, I do think, is like he's not who he once was, but also it's it's a combination of Garrett is not using really anybody to their strength. I mean, they're using Evan Ingram like Jay, like he's Jason Witten and Ooh. like the opposite of Jason Witten. So Tate has been horrible this year. Um, if there's any player that people said, hey, can we trade this guy? It probably would be Golden Tate. But yeah, so uh, and uh, to keep it short, yeah, he's been he's been really bad. He's had like 150 yards through five games. Whew, man, I don't miss him one bit. Uh, yeah, that was but he was better with us last year, like a lot better than he was with that, you know, half a year that he was with you guys. He was what a waste of a draft pick. Um, Darius Slayton, though, he's a guy that I hate that I love because he plays for the Giants, but he's really freaking good. Uh, you know. Give me the rundown on how he's been. I know he's had a lot of, you know, he's been hit or miss this year. He's had some pretty quality games. Some other games kind of disappeared. What have you seen from Darius Slayton now, especially since he's a guy last year that he and Daniel Jones seemed to have the the biggest chemistry connection, uh, especially when it came to finding the back of the end zone. Yeah, Jones trusts him. And I wish we had just be like, hey, give this guy some one-on-one shots because every almost every time we've done them, they've worked, you know. So he's he has been the guy. Um, every even when the numbers aren't great, like he has been like the the focal point of the offense, and he's smart. You know, he knows how to figure out like when to sit in a zone or stuff like that. So he's been good. Um, he's been the only guy that's caught a touchdown this year. You know, Daniel Jones who threw two touchdowns a year last year is averaging half a touchdown a game uh, this season. So he's been good. Um, he is one of those guys where he's he's not like Tiger Kale where he's going to just blow past people, um, but he does have like good speed plus ability to go up and get a jump ball. Like he is someone that when you throw the ball to him, like if it's contested, you kind of expect him to make that catch. So, um, and, and it gets some good corners too in the, in the past. So I'm excited to see the, the issue though, is that teams are kind of keying in on him. And if they're using safety help, it's always on him because they don't have to worry about anything else. Now it was uh, reported today, Sterling Shepard, not on the injury report, but he's still on IR. Do you think he's going to play? And if he does, does that help this offense at all? The optimistic part of me says yes, because there's been reports that like he kind of feels like he's ready um, and they don't need to technically, they don't need to uh, activate, activate him until literally game day, which is, you know, tomorrow or today when you're listening to this. Um, so I'll just say if he does play, it does change because he's probably the best route runner. He's going to, they'll probably use him more in the slot. Like, and it just gives you another threat where you can trust two guys on the other sides where, I mean, we're trusting undrafted free agents right now, like in Austin Mack and, you know, uh, a guy who just got hurt and bored and Damian Ratley, who, like, you don't, you probably have never heard of those guys, Kyle. <laughs> so we've been trusting those other guys on the outside. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, the, the week one when he played, he had a hundred percent catch rate in that game. And then week two against Chicago, he had some big plays. And then at the half, he obviously, um, he got hurt. So, yeah, I, I think him being back is huge. I don't think it turns us into what the offense felt like last year, even though it wasn't always, like, crazy performing-wise. But, like, it does – I feel like it does help significantly. The running back room since Saquon's gone down has kind of been like the island of misfit toys. You got Deion Lewis back there, Devontae Freeman. It seems like guys that have had success in the past are now your backfield. Obviously, it, it's been Devontae Freeman kind of taking the the big load of, of the carries. 
how has he looked? You know, th- there's been moments where I've seen, you know, highlights on red zone or the game being on, you know, uh, a spot where I'm able to catch the actual game. And he still seems like he's got that burst that he had in Atlanta. Uh, what have you seen from Devonte Freeman? And do you think it was worth signing him? Yeah, I definitely think it is because he has taken total like this last game. He was the only running back who got a carry. Um, you know, they had Lewis in on a third down, but on a couple of third downs, but Freeman has taken it. So it was worth it because it's such a low, you know, a low number for the contract. Um, he's been pretty good. He hasn't been like spectacular. Um, it's kind of been like, you know, one, two, three yards. Um, but also, you know, we know how important offensive line is to a run game. Um, but he has like, if there's anyone who can make that big cut and make a big play for, you know, 15 to 20 yards, it has been Freeman. I mean, he turned, you know, uh, a two yard loss in the second play of the last game into a 16 yard game. So yeah, he hasn't been like crazy. And there's times where it's like, man, if Saquon was a running back on this play. We might have six, um, but he's definitely been a clear cup upgrade over Lewis and Gallman to me. The Eagles have had their offensive line issues and we'll get into that uh, as well. But this giants offensive line, it's something that they've been trying to address, you know, for the past couple seasons, whether it's in the draft free agency what has been the issue with the offensive line this year? It hasn't been as bad as some people make it up. You know, as Giants fans were kind of programmed to be like, offensive line, the issue. It hasn't been good. Like I said before, we're the most blitz offensive line in the NFL. Um, and like we're like, we're usually fluctuate between like seventh to 10th in pressures. Um, I don't use PFF. I use pro football reference. They just seem to do a better job. They, they seem to do a better job of it and take their time. PFF just uses your videos. <laughs> yeah what's been <laughs> aggravating Kyle is I mean Giants fans and I let it had an all-out war with PFF last year and now they're saying some nice things about us and everyone's using them again and I'm like you're you're gonna you're making you're gonna make yourself look like a hypocrite real quick Giants fans uh, <laughs> <laughs> like use their stats don't use their grades um so anyways uh what was I saying what were we talking oh the uh, offensive the line. line uh Thomas has had some rookie struggles but he's been a clear upgrade over to soldier to me. Like he's given up some sacks. He's had some, you know, some, a few bad plays in every game besides Pittsburgh week one where he dominated, but he has been an upgrade over soldier. So that's not, that's a a really low bar. Um, Hernandez is just kind of an above average player. He's going to have some good plays. He'll have a couple bad plays. Gates is the center. He, um, he actually played right tackle against you guys last year. Um, They moved him over the center first time playing center. I think he's been good. He hasn't been like, you know, top center of the league or nothing, but he's been solid. Zeitler's the right guard. He's been, he hasn't been like his, what we expect him, but still not bad. And then Fleming at right tackle has struggled. Um, so it's been better than, you know, past Giants offensive lines. The thing is, though, is Jason Garrett will, if you know, he'll run against eight guys if you have six guys blocking. Um, and like I said, we're the most blitz team in the NFL, and Jones isn't it the type to want to get the ball out quick. So it's led to some, you know, plays where it's like, you know, maybe that ball should have been out quicker or stuff like that. So the offensive line, it hasn't been, it's not good. It's not good. I don't want that to be what I'm coming off as, but it's not the liability where it has been. We're like, like issues for this giant's offense, because it is one of the worst. I go Jason Garrett, wide receiver separation, Jones mistakes, and then offensive line fourth on that list. Daniel Jones, obviously, had a chip on his shoulder coming out of the draft for where he was drafted. Um, you know, last year had some bright spots and this year it, it kind of seems like there's been a, a bit of a step back. And we talked about, you know, that potentially being on Jason Garrett, that potentially being on, you know, just the injuries. 
this team being very, you know, reliant on Saquon Barkley as well. What have you seen from Daniel Jones that gives you hope moving forward? And obviously with you guys being in the position you're in right now, there's been a lot of talk about Trevor Lawrence, you know, going to one of the two New York teams. Obviously I think he ends up with the jets. That's if Roddy white allows him to go to the jets. Um, I don't know if you saw that story, but Roddy yeah, White is advising Trevor Lawrence to go back to Clemson. If, uh, if the jets come knocking, but you know, if the giants are in a situation where they end up with that number one pick, would you be opposed to moving on from Daniel Jones and taking a guy that if he is what everyone expects him to be, could be the next quote unquote dude in the NFL? Well, I'll preface it with whoever our QB is, Garrett needs to not be here. Um, I like that West Coast Shermer offense. It seemed to fit Jones. And when we've ran things out of that offense, which has been far and few between, there's been good stuff. And I, I looked it up. I like I went and counted every time there's two routes of 15 or more yards. Jones was like really good, like, you know, completing, you know, 68% of the passes, 10 yards an attempt. And that doesn't mean that he was throwing those balls because sometimes it opens stuff up underneath. So this year has not, there hasn't been really much hope. Like, you know, he's still, you know, got the accuracy. Um, he's still got the willingness to, you know, to take a shot when it's there. But I feel like they've just coached him. They've, they have coached him scared to a guy who's not scared. Like he's willing to take risks. He's willing to get lit up if it means getting the ball downfield. I mean, you guys saw it, you know, sometimes it led to struggles, but he's not afraid to take chances and to get hit. Um, so the thing is, though, is we're assuming Gettleman's probably going to be out. Mayor said he needed to get his batting average up. Um, another year where, you know, if we win three, four games, I just think Gettleman will probably be gone. I, so my mindset is let the GM come in and do whatever he wants. If that means he wants to fire Joe Judge, let him fire Joe Judge. If that means he wants to, you know, um, find, get his own QB instead of Daniel Jones and let him get his own QB. But I will say if he goes even to an average si- – situation i think jones will have success in the nfl whether it's and i'll, I'll root for him and uh i think he will have success in the nfl whether that's with us or somebody else i do think he'll have success in the nfl um because you know i look for this is what i look for is accuracy do can you be accurate the ball yes he's accurate the ball are you willingness are you tough in the fact that you like you don't want to check down all the time and take shots and take hits yes he does that are you a hard worker and have like that like that hard worker in what we loved about Eli, that kind of like nothing phases you. Like people make jokes about it, but nothing phases you. He has that. Um, and, you know, in, in today's NFL, he has the legs to go out and make plays. So those are the things I look for in a QB. And to me, he checks all those boxes. So um, I don't know what his career ends up looking like, but at this point, I still um, have faith in, in the kid. I just, I hope they can move on from Garrett sooner rather than later because it looks like he's going to be a one and done OC. Let's flip to the defense. Uh, One guy, obviously, that's kind of stood out week in and week, you know, week after week for me is you hear his name all the time, that big free agent signing, Mr. Bradbury. How has he looked to you uh, coming into this defense from the Carolina Panthers? And he seems to be fitting in pretty well and being a a top-notch corner for you guys. Kyle, if the Giants won two or three more, like uh, two more games, Teams would be talking about him as the best corner in the NFL. I, I haven't seen this kind of cornerback play for the New York Giants. I mean, he just shuts down number one wide receivers. Cooper had one catch. Amari Cooper had one catch against him. Allen Robinson, who's been in good in basically every game, 
shut him down for like three catches and like let in like 25 yards and had an interception. Um, he's smart. Like he, like, you don't, it's not like a, Oh, you get to play him in man and you get to play him in zone. Like he does everything. He, I liked that free agent signing a lot. Like I thought when, when that I was happened, bummed. I was bummed. I wanted him to be an Eagle. <laughs> yeah. Like I love that signing and he has ex- like, I'm a positive person and he has exceeded my expectations, man. I've been blown away at how good he's been. Overall on the defense, what are some things that, you know, have stood out to you either positive or negative that you think can get turned around if it's a negative and outside of Bradbury, who else has kind of stood out as a positive? It's been mostly positive and the other free agents signing Blake Martinez. Um, there's some kind of, you know, persona around him that, oh, he only got tackles down the field. Um, I thought he was a good linebacker for the Packers. He's another guy who's exceeded my expectations. He's been legit like set things up he's been good in coverage like he's been a really good player Patrick Graham takes chances and he plays things different and he like like, you know we said at the beginning of this you never know what he's going to run I thought he was going to you know against a Washington a bad Washington offense like oh he's going to do this he didn't he did something you know he played more you know like base coverages and kind of like forced forced Allen and then would try and trick Allen and did it for an interception and then that uh that fumble at the end of the game which was like a, a really drawn up play so it's a lot of stuff. He's not gonna, he's not the guy that's gonna send five or six guys a lot. He's just not. But what he will do is he'll send three, he'll drop out, you know, an edge player, or or hell, he'll drop out Dalvin Tomlinson, and then he'll blitz Logan Ryan or Holmes from the nickel corner. Or, you know, he'll bring his safeties down and, and have his corners doing. So he just does different things all the time. And Wentz, who's been, you know, mistake prone this year, at least from you know the outside looking in. That's the hope for the Giants in this game is that he that Wentz makes those mistakes and we don't give him the only game I'm rambling right now, but the only game I didn't like from Graham was against the Bears where he's on third down. He just rushed three and kind of wanted Trubisky to get the ball out and make make mistakes. But what Trubisky did is he sat in the pocket. He scrambled around. I mean, sometimes like five, six, seven seconds and then something would break open. And I know Wentz now Wentz is a lot better than Trubisky but he's similar in that where it's like he can make something out of nothing. So that's my worry this week is that Wentz is able to make those big plays where he's, you know, running outside the pocket and then spin moving and then finding somebody down the field. And that's what I'm looking at in this game with it being a short week, the amount of injuries the Eagles have, obviously this past game coming out of it, Zach Ertz going to be out for like three to four weeks uh, with his ankle injury. So he's not going to play. Miles Sanders is out a week to two weeks. So it's a lot of, you know, revolving door issues again on this offense. And really the only consistent guys that it seems like Carson Wentz has any chemistry with are practice squad diamond in the rough, Travis Fulgham and Greg Ward, another practice squad guy who has been here for the past couple of seasons. And last year really came onto the scene with Carson. And it seems like those two guys are going to be the ones that get the brunt of the receptions. I'm going to be intrigued to see how uh much Deshaun Jackson plays allegedly he's going to play in this game so that'll be interesting to see because when Deshaun was healthy quote unquote uh he was not on the field as much as I think a lot of people would have liked um you know that first first week of the season he only played like a little over 50 percent of the snaps which was weird and then come to find out that hamstring was not ready to be uh run on so I mean We'll see how much Deshaun gets involved, but I think the biggest 
thing is just continuing to see the development of Travis Fulgham because he has been the the guy that Carson Wentz seems to have the chemistry with, the trust in. Like he's throwing 50-50 balls up to him like it's 2017 Alshon. And I'm just like, this is a guy that came off the practice squad, got cut by the Detroit Lions and the Green Bay Packers, two teams that desperately need either talent or talent at that position. And he just winds up on our team out of nowhere. How do you see the Giants defending a guy that doesn't really have that much NFL tape on him, but now, you know, three weeks into it, you kind of see what Travis Fulgham has become for this Eagles offense. Yeah, and wide receiver seems to be that position where those guys come out of nowhere. Now, I don't think they'll have Bradbury like just following him. And because it, it seems like Darnay Holmes, our, our nickel corner, um, he got banged up again in the last game. I think he's going to be out. So I think they're going to put a mix of like this is be a game where they're not going to follow anybody. So it'll be like whether it's Logan Ryan covering him, they'll let Logan Ryan cover him if that's in man or whatnot. James Bradbury, same. And then if he lines up, you know, on our opposite corner, Ryan Lewis, you know, who you've never heard of, which um, I won't, I'm not blaming you for that. Graham has done a good job of helping on that side. You know, even when we had two corners in there who were terrible, Graham did a pretty decent job of like helping those guys out. So I think it's, like I said, I know this sounds like a cop-out, Kyle, but when I say like this defense is different week to week, it really is different week to week where there's one week where our linebackers are playing crazy up on the run. And then there's weeks like last week when they're doing play action and our linebackers don't even flinch. So um, I just would assume if we don't know what's out of Jackson, obviously Jeffrey's out that they'll probably try and have Bradbury or Logan Ryan lined up on him most of the game. Now, I know before we started recording, you had a question about Jamon Brown, but um, <laughs> he's he's unemployed, Bobby. Uh, he got cut today so that uh, Jason Kroom, who 99.99999% of Eagles fans didn't even know was on the roster until he caught that touchdown last week against the Ravens, he got elevated to the active roster today in place of Jamon Brown. Uh, and then Richard Rodgers are our two healthy tight ends knowing the I don't want to say lack of talent because you have to have some sort of talent to be in the NFL in my opinion like you don't make it to the league for no reason but they're not Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard how much attention do you think this Giants defense puts on the tight end position or do they kind of you know fade away from that to make sure that Fulgham Greg Ward JJ Ortega Whiteside for whatever reason uh, because he can only get a touchdown if it's fumbled by your best offensive player in the end zone. Um, and Deshaun Jackson are taken care of. They'll let you have the little stuff underneath, you know, like if you put him in a drag route where he's running, you know, two yards down, you know, two yards and then running down, you know, you know horizontally, they'll let them have it. But the Giants have been good of kind of shutting down that middle of the field. And the only team that's had success was, C.D. Lamb had a few catches like that, and it was literally like Dak Prescott putting a perfect ball, C.D. Lamb having a crazy catch, and then him also getting lit up on the play. Um, so they've been good of shutting down the middle of the field. So basically, it's they're going to let you keep the short stuff. Um, now, Washington's tight end had, a, you know, mossed our backup safety in the corner of the end zone last week. So in the, in the red zone, if they play man coverage, there might be some opportunities. Um, but for the most part, they're going to let you have that underneath stuff. Looking at 
uh, a familiar face for you guys because it got the Eagles run last year to go to the playoffs started. Boston Scott scored three touchdowns against the Giants last year, made that famous, you know, owl neck gif that I still have no clue how his body moved the way it did in the end zone with that touchdown celebration. He has not been good, in my opinion, this year. Boston Scott is a guy that is very Darren Sproles-esque in my book, should be kind of your complimentary third down change of pace back, you know, put him on the field with a Miles Sanders to kind of, you know, switch things up for the defense. You you put a lot, you know, Howie Roseman puts so much faith into Boston Scott after the run he had last year to end the season to be the number two back for this Eagles team. And it just has not worked out, in my opinion. He can barely get two yards a carry, uh, mostly because the Eagles offensive line has been banged up. They don't create holes for him to get through. And I think, like I said, he's more of a Darren Sproles guy, should be catching passes out of the backfield. If you need him to, you know, burst up the middle a little bit, you need to have a guy like a Miles Sanders out on the field. But I'm going to be intrigued to see how the Eagles use Boston Scott in this game because as of right now, it's Boston Scott and Corey Clement that I know for a fact are going to be active, and they've both been pretty awful. Um, how have the Giants been against the run this year uh, defensively, and how do you expect them to get their revenge on Boston Scott for last year? Well, pretty much, you know, we have those three defensive tackles in Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence, and Dalvin. They've been relying on them to stop the run so that the linebackers can help stop the pass. Um, you can say all the bad things you want about Boston Scott. Giants fans, were, were, we're worried about him having a big game. We saw it twice last year. Um, so basically, I know you guys are banged up up front, but if like you can just contain that up front, like those defensive tackles from just blowing stuff up, you can have a little bit of success, but overall the run game has been good. We've been keeping teams under four yards per carry, but there will be like those 10 to 20 yard plays. They like, it'll be zero yards, one yard, zero yards, one yards. And then teams will get these 10 plus yard runs that I'll average it out a little bit. So I think that's, that's where um, our worry is like, hey, just keep them from having those big 10 plus 20 plus yard plays. Looking at it from the outside in, who do you think is kind of kind of going to be like an X factor for the Giants to potentially give you guys, you know, back-to-back wins? Or on the Eagles, that could flip some things on its head, give the Eagles their second win of the season and send the Giants to, you know, going back to the drawing board? Yeah, the X factor for the Giants would be David Mayo, who, you know, he was the starting linebacker for his last year. Um, he his, la- his first game back was last week, but he was the third guy. Um, because Tay Crowder, um, a draft pick we love, you know, he's the one who had that touchdown in the game. Like he's been, he's been good. Um, so, but he's out. So, uh, David Mayo, I think will be the X factor of like, you know, we just talked about Boston Scott. Like, can he, you know, help the run more so than just Blake Martinez? And with, uh, with, uh, our, one of our safeties out, we'll probably be using him a decent amount. Um, and then the X factor for the Eagles, man, I'd have to say it's, Maybe not an X factor, but it's like, can Darius Slay shut down Slayton? If Slay can stop Slayton from having a big game, like he'll, you know, he's not going to, I don't think he'll totally just shut him down, but stop him from having, you know, an eight, nine catch game for, you know, 100 yards or so and keep it to like a a two hell. If you even have a big place, two for 40, then I think that's like the Eagles feel really good because Ingram, they haven't used him really. Uh, our other wide receivers, Tate has been bad. The other ones, you know, we don't even know who's going to be out there. If Shepard plays, I do think makes it a little different. But I would say that if Slay can have a just a, 
a good game. Doesn't need to be a shutdown game, but a good game. It limits what this Giants offense can do. That, yeah, that's hasn't definitely been much this year. Definitely the matchup I'm looking at is Slay versus Slate, and not just for the names being, you know, essentially the same, but it, it's a, a wide receiver that I think is a guy that doesn't get enough recognition for how good he is going up against a corner that is extremely good. I think he gets recognition, but I think he's also criminally underrated for what he's been able to do playing in Detroit doesn't get the limelight unless it's on Thanksgiving. Uh, so I think Darius Slay versus Darius Slayton is the matchup that I'm paying attention to. And then I think my Giants X factor, you said you haven't used them a lot. This might be the chance. Evan Ingram, we were talking about it uh, on your guys' show. And, you know, before we started recording, the Eagles linebackers are non-existent. If the Giants want to get things rolling and kind of get a pace moving early, get Evan Ingram involved, pepper him in the middle of the field because the Eagles don't have the linebackers to stop anybody. They, you know, Lamar Jackson blew by Nate Gary uh, last week against the Ravens. And, you know, in all of these matters, you look what George Kittle did to the Eagles a few weeks ago on Sunday night football, almost 200 receiving yards in his first game back. So, I mean, if you can get the tight end position involved and obviously Evan Ingram, a talented receiving tight end, uh, when he is on the field, if Jason Garrett gets him involved, which who knows if he will, but if he does, that could be something that changes this game exponentially because then the Eagles are going to have to drop down either a Jalen Mills, a Will Parks, or somebody to cover Evan Ingram, and that could open up things for Daniel Jones to get the ball down the field to a Golden Tate, a Sterling Shepard, or a Darius Slate. Yeah, yeah. If Ingram could have a big game, I, I just feel like we've seen things that this offense hasn't seen. Like I said, man, Jason Garrett likes to use him like he's he's Jason Witten. And it's like, man, he's the exact opposite player. Like, what are you doing, man? I get trying to add some like some stuff from that playbook, but it's it's been brutal, Kyle. <laughs> so is Jason Garrett still clapping? Well, they're not showing him as much. And I think he's kind of become aware and he doesn't want the clapping gifts to follow him with the Giants logo too. So no, I, there, I haven't. We haven't seen the clapping stuff. That's a um, bummer because that was a staple of just who he is as a person. I know, and we make the gifts. And uh, like I said, I'm a positive person, and I give coaches chances. I don't think I've ever turned on a coach as fast as I've turned on Jason Garrett. So I could sure use some. I've, we've been using the old Cowboys one of him clapping, you know, in the the house on fire. This is fine, GIF. Um, and then there's one where he's holding his hand up like this when people are like, well, what's the issue? And that's, that's a good gift to drop nice. right there. So he's get, uh, the 10 years in Dallas gives you plenty of gifts oh, and, absolutely. And, and Jason Garrett material to use. Now, uh, before I, before I let you plug everything that you guys do with talking giants, I got to ask former giant news. I don't know if you saw this come out or not, but uh, Odell Beckham jr. Has been banned from LSU for the next two years for throwing that money in the locker room Whoa. during the national championship game. I didn't see that. I didn't see that. Um, I'm sure LSU just did it to keep themselves from getting in trouble. Um, but it's just more, more and more Odell um, news. Do you guys um, miss Odell? No, because I couldn't. I always remind myself of because, like you know, Odell has the big game versus Dallas, and it's, like we could, like we really could use him. So player wise, yes. But I just always remind myself, like this guy literally went on, did an ESPN interview bashing the team without telling the team before a game, surprise the team Sunday morning with a brand new, with a head coach in his fourth game 
and bash the team. Like just remind, like, and I always kind of defended like, like, you know, the, like the peeing celebrate, like for you guys, like, like, I'm like, that's kind of funny. Yeah. It's a 15 yard penalty, but I'm not going to lose it on a guy for enjoying a play. The kicking that stuff, like it was funny, but it's overblown. But that ESPN interview made everything else be like, Oh, like this guy actually is an issue. And we've, we've, you know, we've been told that there was stuff that was worse behind the scenes. So um, there's times where I miss Odell um, because we don't have wide, you know, we have some wide receiver issues. Um, but at the end of the day, it's like, you know what? Dexter Lawrence has been a really good player for us. Peppers has been, you know, he's been banged up a little bit the last, you know, eight games of his Giants career, but he's a good player. And then, you know, a, a young guy, no change imminence who there's some hope for, even though he's out right now. So, um, at times, yes, but for the most, when I use my brain and I try and use my brain, no, I, we don't, I don't know. Miss Odell. <laughs> Score prediction for this game. Who, who do you think comes out on top in the battle of the NFC least? Now you followed me, Kyle. So, you know, I predict every game, the Giants win 77 to zero. Cause I can't, Very true. I, re- I refuse to predict a loss. Um, but so I can give you a real one. I'll just say Giants win by four. I don't know what the score will be. My real prediction will be Giants at four. I can't predict the Giants to lose. Um, it's just it's the athlete in me. I can't I can't do that. So I'll predict the Giants to win by four. Get a couple plays early. Eagles claw back, but the Giants are able to hold them off. Is there a, is there a significance behind the number seventy seven? No, I just picked a big number. I like the number seven. Um, it is a biblical number, but that's not why I did it. Um, I just one day I did it, and then it's like okay, it's just, it's just one of those things that stuck. So, Giants seventy-seven, Eagles zero, everyone else zero. There it is, uh, Bobby Skinner. You're the absolute best. Let everybody know where they can check you out on social media, and where they can listen to Talking Giants. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, follow me at Bobby Skinner underscore is Talking Giants on the podcast. We've been starting to do YouTube more, and I always say this when I go on other teams, like you guys, you know. You guys probably don't want to hear my arrogant giant stuff. And then if we win me gloating, but if there's one thing another fan base would like is our YouTube, we break down all, like often different offensive lines in the off season. We do a lot of draft stuff. So the giant, the talking giants, YouTube, just ignore, you know, the, all the just giants stuff. And then just be like, Oh, look, he's breaking down the first round offensive tackles. So there'll be some stuff in there. And, uh, and you, and you can get, learn some draft stuff in the off season. So that that's my saving grace with other fan bases. Looking forward to Thursday night, Eagles-Giants in a staple matchup that the NFL schedule makers always seems to, uh, you know, put in there for us to enjoy and then give us a nice 10 days off. uh, I'll I'll say, Kyle, before we go, we used to complain about the Giants and Cowboys playing every year week one. With as bad as this division is, I remember why. Now we know why they have us play each other so early and often. Got to get it out of the way. Yeah, get get at least one team <laughs> to like two or three wins before before they start playing all the other teams in the league. So we'll see how this division ends up. Uh, it's going to be a wild ride, and it all starts this week where the Eagles take on the Giants, the Cowboys play the Washington football team. So a whole lot of scrambling could happen by the end of week seven, but – Bobby Skinner, again, you're the absolute best. Make sure you guys check out Talking Giants uh, on Twitter, YouTube, and make sure you're following Bobby for all things Giants because you're damn good at what you do, brother, and uh, can't wait for this game. Appreciate it, Kyle. So there you have it, Eagles fans. My boy Bobby Skinner thinks the Giants are going to win by four, which makes me absolutely terrified, terrified for this matchup. The fact that you have a Giants fan – a guy who covers the Giants fairly well. My boy Bobby Skinner is one of the best in the business. 
the fact that he thinks this Giants team can come into Lincoln Financial Field and upset the Eagles and send them to 1-5-1. and one. Think about that. If the Eagles lose this game, they're behind the Giants in the division. They're 1-5-1. and one. Where do you go from there going into a game against the Cowboys? There, There's not much to look forward to after this game if you end up losing. So the Eagles need to go in there, take care of business. I don't care how many injuries you have, but this is a game you must win if you want any hope of your season staying alive. I don't know how I feel about it. Deshaun Jackson's coming back, allegedly, which is great to see. Lane Johnson should be playing, which is good for Carson Wentz. But no Miles Sanders is the big concern for me in this matchup. So hopefully Boston Scott can channel his 2019 self against the Giants and this Eagles team finds a way. (laughs) You know, they find a way. But uh, Eagles-Giants Thursday night football, so we get a Thursday game short week, and then we get a nice long 10-day reprieve before they take on the Dallas Cowboys, which should be an absolute doozy. Big shout-out to my boy Bobby Skinner. Make sure you guys are following him on Twitter at Bobby Skinner underscore. Check out all the stuff that he does for John Boy Media's Talking Giants. Fantastic Giants coverage over there with Bobby, Justin, Danny, and the boys over at Talking Giants. And make sure you guys are following us on Twitter, at UndergroundPHI. We're trying to get to 3,000 Twitter followers and 300 five-star ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts by the end of 2020. Let's make it happen. It's so doable. We look at Twitter right now, guys. The Underground Sports Philadelphia Twitter is sitting... At a nice 2681 for followers. And the five-star ratings and reviews were sitting at just under 260. Let's make it happen. You guys are the best damn podcast listeners on the planet and on the moon. At UndergroundPHI, Twitter and Instagram. Follow me on Twitter at KBIZZL311. And make sure you guys are subscribed to the podcast, your favorite podcast platform, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, the TuneIn app, iHeartRadio, Radio.com, wherever you get your podcasts, we are there. And like I said, it's Eagles-Giants week. We're back in black, baby. Cue the ACDC. And uh, it should be a good one. It's always a... The divisional games are always a, a wild ride, so... Let's go in, take care of business, beat the Giants. How you doing? Keep it moving and get ready for the Cowboys in 10 days. Shout out to our sponsor, Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping, manscaped.com. Enter the code USP. And uh, we will catch you guys later on, right before the Cowboys game. This has been an Eagles-Giants Divisional preview episode of Eagles Enemies presented by Underground Sports Philadelphia. I'm your host, Kyle Bennett. And as always, ladies and gentlemen, it's Go Birds. <laughs>